Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshot.net. The Unshot Interview with Gary Kyo. For the last couple of years, I've been telling you what I would do if I were the Minister for Education. But today I'm joined by Gary Kyo, who, after many years working in the UK, has some advice for me. In a way, we might call this what I wouldn't do if I were the Minister for Education, based on the advice of what's been going on in the UK. Now, Gary, for those of you who don't know, has over 10 years experience in education, mainly working in secondary schools, but has also done some teaching at undergraduate and postgraduate level, adult education and teacher training. He's also the author of three books and he's run a number of marathons and even finds time to play gigs as a singer-songwriter. He's a busy man. He also says he's a dad-to-be, so that should probably put a stop to his gallop. Anyway, Gary has asked me if I'd be interested in talking to him because, like me, he's witnessed um, the, how the Irish education system tends to blindly follow the, how the education system works in the UK and kind of the education trends that have happened in the UK. And while there's some benefits, obviously, to the last uh, 20 years of what's been going on in the UK, certainly in the last few years, things have gone very, very pear-shaped, for want of a better word, in the UK. So I uh, got some time to talk to Gary about his experience of the last number of years in the UK, how he thinks we should learn uh, how uh, learn from that, uh, basically how we shouldn't be doing things. Look, it's the first time I've ever interviewed anyone for this podcast. So let's, why not? Let's get straight on to it. Gary, welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education. Uh, I'm sure people are going to be very grateful to actually find uh, a different voice in this podcast, probably a coherent one uh, for a change. Um, but for those of you who don't know uh, Gary Kyo, uh, maybe without sounding like the first question in a job interview, maybe you could tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Thanks, Simon. Um, yeah, so I'm a teacher. I work uh, full time in, in the UK but I'm uh, from Ireland and I did my teacher training and did a little bit of teaching in Ireland. And I also work with Hibernia College on their teacher training uh, programs back in Dublin as well. Um, and I've just published a new book called A Pedagogy of Purpose, uh, which is kind of a philosophy of education book. Uh, so um, Simon has very kindly agreed to have me on to chat about that and, and some other things uh, today. Brilliant. Um, and I suppose, I mean, I, I think what, a lot of people in Ireland are interested in is, uh, you know, they hear of an Irish person working in the UK and there's a kind of, oh, what's it like over there? What's, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, you've got experience of, you know, like myself, I trained in the UK and uh, I, I taught there for a little bit, but uh, you've been working there for over 10 years. Um, like, would you, what would you see as the main differences now between teaching in Ireland and, uh, and in the UK? I suppose the big one that I notice is how stringent the UK system tends to be in terms of their, I suppose, collection of data points. So the, you know, the extent to which students are measured in the UK, you know, it really kind of caught me off guard, to be honest, when I first moved over here, when I got my first teaching job here. Um, So literally, like from the moment I work in secondary school, so the moment that they leave primary school, they will have... uh, 
what we call GCSE grades, um, target grades kind of set, uh, which are roughly equivalent to the junior certificate, except there's a little, the, it's there a little bit more weighted, I suppose, to carry a little bit more weight than the, than the junior certificate. And so every year, every, every kind of term, the students are assessed, they're measured, they're um, checked on, you know, there's actually these very complex calculations that the government have provided by which schools actually put a, a numerical value on the progress that students are making, on the attainment that they're um, that they're getting, on the contribution that they're making to the school, on, and then they have separate calculations for each school's contributions to that. So you know that kind of very rigorous, you know, uh, quantification of education, I suppose that's probably the biggest one. Uh, that I noticed in the UK. There's obviously a couple of different cultural ones and you'll pick up, you know, when, when I first moved and I, when I first came here, when I went into my first classroom and I'm kind of like, okay, guys, take out your copies. And they all, and they all look at you like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, so there's a few like some more minor ones like that. But yeah. the, the, the quantification is, is the big one. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So that really hasn't changed. Cause I remember when I was over there, um, it was, it was the same thing. They were talking about trying to reduce that somewhat. It doesn't sound like that's happened. And I can remember more recently, um, Michael Gove being uh, being he was the minister at some point a few years ago and I remember you know, like him saying something that he wanted in the testing for everyone to be above average which I thought was kind of funny um, you know, <laughs> yeah but- I mean yeah that, that that cannot happen like that does not exist you can't have yeah. everybody above average it doesn't you know <laughs> um, so yeah I think that Michael Gove's reforms uh, when they they kind of came into into play I suppose I think it was around about 2015 2016 a couple of years ago and yeah that's had a massive impact I mean we've seen like my specialist subject is religion so we've seen you know testing go from kind of questions like you know very very basic questions like you know give me three reasons why it would be good for religions to get on with each other and stuff like that mm-hmm. to then students writing essays about saint augustine's confessions and, and things like that so the, the content became you know really really heavy really really quickly under those reforms as well mm-hmm. In the back to basics or whatever, if I remember, uh, if I, they, they they seem to be obsessed with. But anyway, let's move on to uh, what your uh, work, what you've worked on there, which is um, the purpose of education. And mm-hmm. I suppose what what piqued my interest in you, um, you know. So I, I I guess the question I want to ask you is, what is the purpose of education, and why do we educate in the way that we do? Yeah, start with the easy question, Simon. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I suppose the thing that struck me was, you know, we kind of come into schools every year or every day or whatever and we get on with things and we have kind of targets to hit or whether even if it's in Ireland or whatever it's you know you've got your junior search you've got your leaving search you've got this and that and the other and we never really stop to think about like but well, why are we actually doing this like why have we decided as a society that you know for um up until children are 18 we're going to send them en masse in groups to these buildings where they're going to learn in a very very structured way you know with classes with exams with subjects and you know we never really reflect upon that if you actually trace the kind of the history of education back to its origins and um um, you know, I was really, and I'm really interested in ancient Greek philosophy. And you look at people like Pythagoras and, and Plato and Socrates, and and that's really where our concept of education started. Like this idea that young people should be kind of taught by elders in the society. And so I think there's been such a such a, a length of time between those two things and a, and a difference. So we never really stopped to think about it. And I suppose if I was to try and answer your question. Uh, with brevity which is not really my strong point but I'll try my best it's um I suppose to it's to improve society 
you know what I mean? It's it's to get it's to get you know people so that when when we're of age, um, so when young people graduate from school and they go off to participate in society and they become teachers, politicians, doctors, laborers, architects, whatever it is that they do, that they have some kind of grounding that they will be able to make a contribution that will you know contribute to everybody's happiness, I suppose. Mm, absolutely and I mean I, I it's clear that uh, I, I think when you were emailing me you said you'd become so frustrated that this doesn't seem to be happening you've written a number of books and and the one that we're talking about is uh, one called Pedagogy of Purpose which we'll tell you a little bit about at the end and where to get it because I, I'd agree with you I, I suppose again why I really was interested in speaking with you is because I'm getting really worried about Ireland and how we're following blindly following in a way the UK in, in this in favor of standardizing absolutely everything and uh, it, it's been it's 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 really in the last decade we I've seen this slipping in uh, you know we have uh, things like SSE uh, coming in and encroaching on us which is kind of standardizing things we we see the teaching council coming in with things like Drihid and Kusan and there's a lot of um, measuring in numbers and uh, you know we're we're really just one journalist away from league tables and in prime schools at the moment which is which is probably the most worrying thing mm-hmm. so i'm kind of um i mean i i mean the uk has been in this mire in a way for quite some mm-hmm. time I, I mean how how do you think that happened and once it happens do you think there's any way back um or is there i mean is there any way back and can we can we get out of it and and, and get back to really what the purpose of education is yeah the, the two excellent questions there i think in terms of how it happened I mean, my, my kind of theory that I, I put forward is that actually it's a kind of cultural mindset which affects many, many areas of society and it's kind of seeping into the education system. So, for instance, when you look at our economy what our, our business or we're always obviously trying to quantify things to make things more efficient to improve things um, when you look at our science and technology everything is quantifiable and measurable and, and so on and, and rightly so in, in that in that particular context and I think that kind of mindset where everything needs to be measured and valued and checked and 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 stuff like that when that seeps into the education system that's where I think it came from my contention would be that that's inappropriate. You know, my contention is that the education system is something that should be different, you know, because with with businesses or whether it's with sport or with science, like people have the choice to enter that, you know, they choose to go and do those things and, and they choose to enter into that kind of arena. Whereas, as a society, we don't give young people that choice. We just say, no, you, you have to get educated. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of squashing people's mindsets and, and sculpting them to think a certain way so that they can go on and have, you know, again, a quantifiable contribution to society. But again, my contention is that, well, actually, your contribution to society shouldn't be quantifiable. That's not the way human beings are built. That's not the way our society should be. That's not what, you know, we're not, f- that's not what we are for in a sense. Um, and I suppose, is there any way out of it? You know, I, I hope that there is. I like to think that there is. I like to think that we can, you know, scrap things. There's no reason why we can't, mm. you know, other than it may feel people, people may feel a little bit uncomfortable by it or, you know, you know, I'm sure you, you get just as enraged as I do when you read some um, comments on, on in newspapers and stuff about, you know, teacher accountability and things like that. And, and everybody wants to know what they're doing, why they're doing, how can we track that? Um, and and I, I understand that, but like, that's not what learning is about for me, you know, for you, for young people in particular. Yeah, I I I I I get I agree with you completely on this because and and you use the term which I really really liked and I think in a way 
it, it may be the, the the way forward because I think what what I mean so far we're kind of lucky in Ireland in a way is that we do have we still do have quite a lot of trust in our teachers to be creative in in how they um and take risks in what they're trying to do. There's no set way, let's say, to teach a particular topic, and mm-hmm. we don't have to follow a particular school or a county or a or or, or a particular you know plan um as such and we can kind of uh try out stuff like you know what it could be anything as simple as uh if i was a if i was a, a yoga teacher and i wanted to try out yoga with my kids i can do that or i'm into robotics i can get out do something in you know with the children and that and and it's about that and you, you mentioned creative pedagogy and that sounds what we should be focusing on would that be would that be a fair thing will you tell me more about what you meant by creative pedagogy yeah so what i what i meant by that was there was somebody tweeted recently as well. It's like asking whether or not teaching it could be considered almost like an art form. And when I say creative pedagogy, I don't mean that we have, you know, bright 3D displays coming out of the ceilings and exploding volcanoes and, and all of those great things that, that teachers do. But um, what I mean by that is like teaching is, is, is more akin to something like creating music. You know, we, we had a, a conversation earlier about the Beatles, for instance, and I actually used as an example in the book, um, you know, you, you can't listen to, you know, Let It Be or, or Love Me Do and, you know, quantify why that's great music. Mm. And it's very different to other great music, whether it's, you know, Beethoven or Led Zeppelin or, or something else. And I think, you know, teaching is quite similar. It's, it's something that it's very difficult, very, very difficult to quantify. And when even when you look at, you know, teacher training, there's always set criteria for, we get fed this kind of idea. And, and you're absolutely right. I think it is lesser the case in, in Ireland, but that you have to do certain things, whether like it's active, active learning is better than passive learning, or whether it's, um, you know, the, it's a particular type of questioning is more effective than that particular type of questioning, or this particular recall strategy is better than that particular recall strategy, and things like that. Whereas really, you know, teaching is more about, for me, it's about mood, it's about atmosphere, it's about emotion, it's about kind of reacting to the young people that are sitting in front of you mm-hmm. because you know everybody's different we're all different we all react to things in different ways we all learn in different ways um so when i when i when i say creative pedagogy that's what i mean i mean trying to break free of like a tick list of what you think is a good a good lesson or a good class you, does, that good. Make, does that make sense it does absolutely yeah. I, and sort of sort of almost you know when you're a teacher with the class now you're 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 building re- relationships and how do you quantify a good relationship really? I mean, there's, there's, you know, and uh, yeah. I think, um, I think that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's very well put. Um, I, I, I want to, cause you've, you've talked about a couple of other things in, in the book, which I think uh, are, are worth exploring because I, I suppose one of the things we like to deny uh, in Ireland is that we have a class uh, system. Uh, and uh, I think, I think we, we do that foolishly because I, I think it's very clear over the last 30, 40 years that Ireland certainly has uh, as as deep uh, a divided class system as the UK, maybe not uh, not so um, defined, but certainly there. Um, and um, I was wondering, do you know? Do you number one? Um, I mean, do you do you agree with that? And do you think that might affect our education system um, I, I, in Ireland? Yes and yes, absolutely. In terms of agreeing, the the way I kind of wrote about it in the book, and it's something that I kind of it's been it's been troubling me, and it's probably one of the one of the main issues that trouble me most about being a teacher is that I think the education system often gets embroiled or associated with a certain class, and you know I, I use the phrase the educated class, and yeah, I'm kind of referring to upper middle class, and I know 
it's it's very difficult to not generalize here and obviously there's going to be people who will say well i came from a very working class background and i educated myself up you know you know right up to phd level or whatever it is mm. um but you know quite often what i see in in my school for instance and i've taught in other schools and see similar things i i live in a very mixed socioeconomic uh, area and so mm. what we get is i, I use it uh, what i call a tale of two students right you have one student who their parents are educated, right? So they, when they grow up, they see their parents, you know, putting on uh, shirts and ties, going to work. They see their parents, you know, at home, they're talking about their days at university, they're talking about degrees, they're talking about grades, things like that. So when they transition kind of from, from home to school, when they enter the school, things make sense to them. You know, they see all the teachers wearing shirts and ties. They, they hear teachers talking about grades, aspirations, about college, about university, um, and, and all that kind of stuff. And they see flyers for, for university open days and, and things like that. And that, that all seems very normal and resonates with them. But then you may have another student whose, you know, parents don't wear shirts and ties. So when they have to do up their school uniform, that's alien to them. Mm. When, they, when they enter the school building and, and their teachers are talking about grades and universities and, and they, they never heard things like that from their parents that's mm. alien to them and that can you know sometimes that can be inspiring and people can kind of say oh well you know actually that this is the life for me but for many students we see actually it, it kind of alienates them mm. and I, I talk a lot in the book and, and I really believe a lot of what we're doing and wrong in the education system I suppose it's not intentional it's not like we have said to these young people that you know you're not welcome here but in our actions implicitly subconsciously we're giving it a different kind of message. And I mm -hmm. believe that that leads to resentment. And any teacher will know, we've had conversations with young people who will, you know, they will have those young people who will say, oh, I hate school, I hate this, I hate that, you know, this is, and, and, and parents sometimes as well come from that perspective. So I, I do believe that that is kind of related to class. And there's a lot of kind of, again, I don't think it's intentional. I really don't think it's intentional or malicious, but almost a very kind of patronizing um, attitude from those in education to basically say those of you who are not edu educated oh you know be good and you can be like us you can be better you mm. can be like us and well I think that's well-intentioned and I think education is the, one of the best methods of you know improving your social conditions or whatever but the implication of that the reverse implication of that for young people the message the subconscious message is well so you're saying basically that my family are not good enough for you you're saying that my family are worse, that my family's lifestyle choices are worse, that, you know, my family who want to be, um, you know, bricklayers or, or work in, in retail or whatever, that they're not good enough for you because they didn't go to university, that you're somehow better. And that can lead to quite a lot of resentment and anger. And it can actually turn people away from education in many respects. Yeah, that's 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 really interesting. And and, and uh, it, it, it's, uh, you know, I, I think as well as class vision, I don't know again about the UK, but certainly... In Ireland, I'd, I'd argue along the lines uh, sometimes that um, particularly in, in Ireland, we have very little diversity in terms of our of our teaching staff. I mean, I think 99 percent of uh, Irish teachers uh, right now are Irish and white and uh, and from the same kind of homogenous background uh, in terms of culture and religion and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, I know there's a there's there's a more diversity, obviously, in the UK. But I mean, would you would you think? it's a similar sort of thing. If you're a, a, I don't know, a child in a, in a school from a minority background and all you see are, you know, white middle-class teachers, would, would you think it has the same impact? Yes. Yeah. I think those two things are very similar actually. And, and some of the re the research that I, you know, did in, in, um, for the book kind of 
raise that point. And I know it's, it's, I'm, I'm very cautious and, and reticent to, to, to say that, you know, the, the, the social issues around racism or gender equality or, or religious equality are the same as, as class equality. But I think there's, 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 par, there's certainly parallels there that, you know, it's the same impact of you've got people from, you know, a working class family who come to school and they don't see any or as many people kind of of their kin of their social class or whatever as teachers it may have the same impact as you know um, people of color seeing almost predominantly white teachers in the classrooms and we know that has an impact you know we know that that, that has an impact it's about representation um you know we know the statistics around um like female principals in primary schools for example yeah. you know in comparison to i think the, it was a couple of years ago the last time i checked but the the graduates in ireland for for primary school education was around about 80 percent female and and um, of principals in primary schools it's around about 50 percent female and yes. um, so those kinds of representations you know absolutely have an impact and you know have a subconscious impact as well it's, obviously it's nothing it's not no one would actually say to young girls you know, you can be a teacher, but you can't be a principal. Like no one would ever say that, but it's still a massive problem when all you know the majority of, of principals in the school or are, are, are in schools are, are male. You know, it's about that lack of representation. Mm. No, and, 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 and with people of color, obviously, even more so, probably. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they see they see nobody, and uh, they, I suppose it tells them, you know, mm-hmm. well, this is yeah, this, this is the job. This is you. this is not for you. Yeah, this whole world, this whole education system. Yeah, it's 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 not for you. Yeah. Yeah, gosh, it's 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 fascinating because that that probably gets get, get gets children very very young, even from the moment they where uh, they get they come to school they they they, they see that with the world in that uh, in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I I suppose what I want to um. Uh, talked about because you you in one of your uh, in in a, in a summary you gave me uh, you talked about um, I, I suppose about the education system and how it, it's detrimental um, to uh, mental health and uh, to, to both teachers and to students and um, I suppose in, in Ireland one of the big words buzzwords at the moment is well-being I, I don't know mm-hmm. if it's the same over there in the, yeah. in the UK but it's a trigger word for me in a way because and it actually makes my well-being go down when I hear uh, mm-hmm. education systems talking about well-being um, because it inevitably means my well-being reduces uh, because I end up having to make policies around it which uh, it seems to fly in the face uh, of, of what I would think mm-hmm. uh, well-being could be improved by <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh, but from your context area I mean the education system itself if that's detrimental already um, mm-hmm. to uh, children's uh, to students and teachers uh, mental health uh, what are what how can we address it really i mean what's what's what are the best uh ways to address uh mental health and well-being yeah i mean that that's such a difficult question because when i say that the, like so much of the education system I, I do genuinely believe unfortunately is detrimental to well-being and now some of it you may say is, is kind of necessary but i mean the fact that we stuff children into rooms and have them slouched over tables looking at screens for you know six seven hours a day like that that's detrimental to well-being you know um and workload and then we tell them you know to go home to study more to study at home and then we tell them that you need to achieve this in order to be considered valued in our society mm. um so all of those things like there's it's, it's so much like it puts such pressure on people and on teachers and stuff like that as well and i think when um you know i, I kind of feel the same with you i do cringe when you talk about well-being because we 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 again, very earnestly and very well-intentioned, we'll have, you know, mental health days or rewards days, or, you know, we'll do certain lessons on mental health and we'll bring in people to talk. 
But like an afternoon of mental health talk isn't going to do anything when the entire rest of your life is is going basically in the opposite direction. Hmm. Um, so in terms of things you can do, I mean, one of the very simple things I, I think we need to do is dramatically increase the amount of physical education in schools. Um, and I think we need to prioritize that. We need to prioritize well-being. We need to prioritize the fact that, you know, students need to be comfortable and happy. And the idea that, you know, maybe, uh, it, again, I think it is probably not as much in, in Ireland, but it's certainly massive in the UK. And I know it does exist in Ireland as well, but the pressure that teachers will feel, anybody, any teacher that teaches Leave Insert English, for instance, or Leave Insert Maths, will know how um, much they stress the night before those leave and cert grades come out, the mm -hmm. ne you know, the next day, because it really is seen as a, um, you know, as a marker of, of how well you're doing the job. So we, we have that pressure as teachers and, and that pressure is obviously it's coming from on high. It's coming from government. They want, you know, the Irish education system or the British education system to do better in like the PISA rankings, the international education rankings. And, you know, the only way to improve that is to pressure children more. So you're going into, you know, you're going into classes where, you know, young people are 15, 16, 17 years old or whatever. And you're, you're kind of like, you need to do better. You need to do better. You need to do more homework. You need to work harder. Um, you know, that, that's not prioritizing. That's not going to make them happy per se. You know, yeah. like it would be nice if they get a better grade. But at what point do we reach a kind of the law of diminishing returns here? Mm. You know, like, so maybe a student could get an A or an A, an A plus or a whatever you know whatever in in, in their leaving cert maths but if they had to completely destroy their mental health for two years in order to get that like is it worth it yeah absolutely and i mean i i, I mean we we trend uh, on this podcast kind of focus on primary education but there's mm -hmm. always it's even even in primary education the the shadow of the final exam this leaving cert you know even though it's you know six years away before uh most children uh leaving us sit it it's yeah. it's, it's still in the background um but, yeah we're, we're, we're sorry to cut across this yeah, no but with, with um yeah with, with primary school i mean obviously i work a lot with primary school teachers and what you get often is like that, that pressure from parents and it's understandable but the parents come to parent teacher meetings from very young ages in primary school and, and kind of say they want to know how to get on under english and maths because they know that yeah six seven eight nine ten years down the line they're going to have to take that leave insert and that's going to determine whether they're going to get into into university into college you know and so that pressure you know parents are already thinking about that from a very, I found that quite a lot in talking to primary school teachers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a primary school principal myself, so I, I'm, I'm always, uh, I, I, I'm coming up with cracked brain ideas uh, mm -hmm. uh, about, you know, getting rid of homework uh, at primary level and, and, you know, changing, changing kind of more traditional practices um, uh, in the school and the resistance, I suppose, uh, you know, doesn't, I mean, it doesn't always come from parents particularly, but the resistance seems to be because, well, what about secondary school? That seems to be a, a mm -hmm. question that I'm often at, you know, that's often brought back. But I mean, if we don't give homework, how are they going to survive doing homework in secondary school and, and things like that? And it, it strikes me as, as something we probably um, do, do we, I mean, it, it, like if I suppose if you, it, when it comes down to it, I suppose the question I'm trying to ask in a way is, is, is the leaving cert such a shadow now that is it is it possible number one to change it um or is is it possible to scrap it or is is the uk equivalent of the leaving cert the a levels better i mean is there a is there a way we can leave school without this shadow 
hanging over us all the way up to it. Yeah, I think what I what I think a lot of that comes from, and, and that's really interesting because I've tried to implement things like that, because um, I'm I kind of have a, a well-being role in, in my school as well, and I've tried to implement like just a week with no homework and, and things like that, and you're immediately met with resistance as well. But the um, the, the issue is it's it's comp- it's the competitive nature, and it goes back to what I said at the beginning when you know these competitive mindsets that exist in society, they exist in capitalism, they exist in in business that seeps into the education system because all it will take, if you say, okay, nobody do any homework for a week, all it will take is one person to do it. And then they suddenly have an advantage. Mm. And so if, if you were to decree like in the entire country, okay, we cannot do any homework during mental health week, let's say, but mm. then one school decides to do it, then everybody says, well, that school is going to be at an advantage. And then that kind of takes hold to say, well, if they're doing it, we'll do it. And, 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 and that kind of mindset takes hold and, and it kind of perpetuates endlessly into, you know, more, 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 more nature of, of society kind of seeps in. And, and um, you know, it's very, very difficult to step away from that. It's, it's like, you know, I used the phrase in the book about um, like Darwinizing education system. It's like, this is, this is the reason why trees are so tall. You know, if all the trees were able to decide, oh, well, let's just grow to five feet and we'll stop growing. Mm. then that's the height the trees would be but what would happen is one tree is going to go higher and then they get an advantage so everybody else copies and yes. that, that's the reason biologically why trees go grow, grow so high and it's, it's kind of the same thing in education like the more someone is going to go harder someone's going to work harder then everybody else kind of has to do that to to kind of keep up um yeah. and i'm sure anyone like either with teenagers or that works with teenagers or even in primary school you 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 always get told by a student at some point in your career you know why do we have to do homework if we're in school for six or seven hours a day mm. and you know i used to kind of scoff at that you know early in my career but you know lately i've kind of said you know what actually you know there's there's merit to that you know mm. there is merit to the fact well actually if you go home and you relax and, and have fun with your family and friends and you do some sports and you're, you, you know, you expend energy and, uh, and, and you, you go to bed and you're tired because you've been playing football for a couple of hours. Or you've been out, you know, um, whacking Hurley, uh, playing hurling or whatever. And you'll come back in tomorrow, like in better shape yeah. to, to, to learn. Whereas if you go home and, and study more and read more and more and more, you, you reach that law. Of, it's like overtraining in sports. You know, you reach mm. that law of diminishing returns where actually it's, it's, it's having a negative impact on you in, in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes absolute sense. I mean, the, the, the idea of, I mean, you have to recover when you're doing sport, mm-hmm. you, you know, I mean, it, it, it seems to be, you know, the same, same kind of thing. You've got to recover your, your brain from, you know, the intensity of, of school and school is a very intense place to be, mm-hmm. which is why the day is, I suppose, I, I, a lot of people wonder why school days are so short in a, in a, like compared to other jobs, but it's mm-hmm. the intensity. I think that, uh, can be, uh, can, can, can is probably the reason why, um, I'm going to, I, I've only one, I mean, gosh, I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's been really, really interesting, but I, I'm, I've decided if I, you, you are the very, very first interview you've done. And I, I kind of think if I'm going to be interviewing someone else, there, there has to be a question I have to ask every guest at the end. So okay. you're going to be the first person I've ever asked this question to. And it's um, if you were the Minister for Education, because usually if I'm the Minister for Education, so if you were the Minister for Education in Ireland, what mm-hmm. would be the one thing you would do if you had your benign dictatorship? Right. I would reform the Leaving Cert point system because I just think it's absolutely bonkers. I don't understand it at all. I think that, you know, if if you want to pursue a career in a certain field, I don't understand why, you know, if you want to be an architect, why you will need to have average grades in French or 
maths or mm. things like that. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I, I would kind of look at that because I think that would trickle down. So we talked earlier about the pressure that even that like primary school parents put on teachers, um, you know, to improve their, their literacy and their numeracy and things. Because but the, the reason why that happens is because, you know, they're looking ahead. They, they, they're thinking about the economy. They're thinking about, and obviously rightly so as a parent, you're thinking about the future of your child and, and you want to give them the best possible chance in life. But that's to me, you know, I think would go a long way in um, reducing the kind of hierarchy that we see in terms of university courses and, and career choices. You know, this idea that certain careers are more valuable mm. than others um yeah. and you know it's like the, the the additional points for maths and you know and nothing against maths i mean ma- mathematics is an, an amazing thing and it was wonderful to be good at mathematics and you know absolutely we should we should look to improve uh, you know p- people's numeracy because it's, it's so vital for for many things but you're in doing that you're reinforcing a hierarchy that again certain careers certain job choices are are of a of a higher quality and i think that leads to you know many mental health problems even in later life because you know children grow up kind of basically being told that oh well if you do really well in school and then you go to university and you get one of these jobs you know you're whether it's an accountant or a you know or a scientist or, or something or you know a banker or whatever then you know that's good you're going to be happy mm-hmm. and you kind of end up you know pursuing this you know, very vacuous concept of, you know, success and happiness. Yeah. And, ha- yeah. and, it, and, and it's, you know, I have so many friends and people who, you know, work so hard through school, you know, they killed themselves working through school, they killed themselves working through university and they land themselves a job as a lawyer or something. And, you know, you realize after a couple of weeks, actually, I hate this. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to spend my life doing that. Um, yeah. So I think we need to address that. And I think the way to do that, one of the very simple ways to do that would be, you know, look at the leave and start point system very good no that's a that's 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 uh great i i, I think it's um yeah i, I mean I, I i i generally focus on primary education but if i if i had one wish for the second level system i think that would be the one i would uh i would start with i would uh i would definitely do that i i suppose if, if i finally would maybe you could tell uh people here listening where they can find you and your work um if they want to learn more uh about your um your your writing and your your books and anything else that you've been doing where's the best place they can find you yeah i suppose you know pedagogy of purpose is available now on amazon Uh, it's kind of a critique of the the education system as well as offering a lot of kind of practical tips from my experience about you know how to how to manage your well-being as a teacher and and looks at things like behavior and attendance and gets into the kind of philosophy behind that all so that's called a pedagogy of purpose it should be available on amazon uh, so fairly easy to find i'm on twitter somewhere if you can find me there but um but yeah, what's the, your, what's the, your handle? That's my handle is uh, G, at, on G underscore Kyo um, is my Great Twitter. Stuff. Excellent. Excellent. Um, and uh, I, I hope people uh, will get in touch if they have any questions because, you've, you've, I mean, in a short space of time, we've kind of almost, it's, it's like two men in a pub kind of, uh, fixing the world and yes in, in, uh, we've done we've done quite well there to be honest with you. but uh so th- thank you uh, so much gary for for uh, putting up with me for my, our very first uh, kind of interview um and um i and i best of luck with uh, everything you're doing it's it's great to see uh, a different perspective like uh, from you know someone working in the uk but very familiar with the irish education system and uh, actually having a, a really um 
I suppose I suppose I find it interesting because I agree with everything you're saying. Uh, an interesting perspective on what we could and should be doing with education. And um, I, I just want to say thank you again and uh, keep up the good work. And uh, hopefully we'll be chatting again. Yeah, thanks so much, Simon. It's been wonderful to have the chat. I really appreciate it myself. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. And, and best of luck with the podcasts and, and your and future guests as well. So there we have it, uh, Onshaw.net's first interview uh, for a podcast. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly really enjoyed talking to Gary. Really, really interesting insights into a number of things in education. And I think uh, we, we certainly are thinking along the same level in, in, in lots and lots and lots of ways. Um, I'd be interested in hearing what you guys think. Uh, if you'd like to comment on our Facebook page or social media page or on the website. Um, if you have enjoyed this interview and uh, you'd like to be interviewed by me, uh, drop me a line at simon at onshaw.net and I'd be delighted to give this another go. I, I must say I really enjoyed it. Um, if you just prefer to listen in, you can find this podcast in all your favourite podcasting apps from Apple Podcasts to Google Podcasts to Spotify to all the rest of them. Um, I uh, look forward to doing another interview sometime in the future uh, and we'll publish it up here. And But in the meantime, back to normal service and we will catch you again soon enough. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye bye.